Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Well, it's good morning for me when I'm recording it today. It's whatever time you've chosen to join with me together as we work through the entire Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You're very welcome whether you're here for the first time or you've been along this journey for a while now. You have the choice to pick up where we are today or feel free to just go back to the beginning and work along at whatever pace is good for you. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast from, whatever your favourite platform is, but it's hosted on thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com and that's the place where if you hang on at the end, I'll tell you how to connect and get an episode notes page for every episode and even a full transcript of everything that's said. So with that said, it's great to have you back here again, and I'll see you at the end. And as we drop back into the text where we picked up last time, I'll just say bye for now. Okay, people, here we are again, season six, cracking on through the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be looking at the text of Mark chapter 4 and the verses 21 to 33 in season 6 of our time together in the Bible Project Daily Podcast. I wonder if, like me, you sometimes stand in front of someone and they speak to you and you kind of basically pretty much miss the total significance of what they're trying to tell you. I believe that's a common type of thing that happens to most of us on occasions, but it's also something that can happen in terms of the spirit. Sometimes we need to hear something spiritual, something important, and we need to recognize what God is trying to teach us in a situation. But as Jesus maybe would put it, we just simply didn't have ears to hear. Of course, in the course of life, It's important that we listen carefully, but I believe it's especially important when we come to listen to what God himself might be saying to us. And I believe that the passage we're going to look at today really illustrates this. It's a passage that Jesus challenges us, and in a way he asks, are we receiving him? And it illustrates it for us, and we're going to look at that today. The plan is to do as we always do, to work through the verses, verse by verse, and then try and tie it all together towards the end. So picking up in verse 21 and moving through, it says, He said to them, so obviously this is Jesus speaking, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or under a bed? No, instead you put it on a lampstand, for whatever is hidden is not meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Now, just a very basic reading of that passage in the ordinary language it uses makes it obvious that Jesus is saying that when I teach parables, you need to make sure you understand what I mean in what I'm saying. He actually says that explicitly and he tells him you must consider carefully what you hear. But backing up just for a moment, the first thing he said was that the message itself must not be concealed. It must be heard, in fact. Now, remember, if you were here with us yesterday in yesterday's episode, we discovered that Jesus actually told his disciples that part of the reason he spoke in parables was not only just to reveal things to people, but also by teaching in that way that it might conceal truth from those who do not have the correct attitude towards God. You see, 
That seems a bit counterintuitive at first, but if you think about it, by Jesus teaching in parables, he forces people to engage with his word on a deeper level, needing to think about what it means. Therefore, by doing it in that way, it means he is in fact not revealing the truth to those who don't have a teachable spirit or an incorrect posture of the heart, those who are just willing not to consider, not to ponder on what he's saying and what it might mean. But he follows on by saying that we should not mistake that perspective, think that it means that the message should not be put out there in the first place. This message should not be hidden from anyone. Clearly, by saying this, he's saying, don't put the truth under a bowl or push it under your bed. You are to let the truth be put out there so it's like a light that can potentially shine into the hearts of anyone who's willing to receive it. Put it out there and let it sign so people can choose to respond to it. That's why he says, for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. The mystery of the kingdom of God is to be made known, and he uses the metaphor of light in this message, a light that should be shone in order that everyone can potentially have their life and their experience illuminated by it. Mixing his metaphors a little when he adds the phrase, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. You've got ears, he says, then listen. Make sure you listen and hear and don't miss what I'm going to reveal to you because these are important things about the kingdom of God. I believe what he's saying here is that there are certain aspects, a certain truth about that kingdom that have not been fully revealed or understood yet. And Jesus is simply saying, I'm coming to give you some insight as to what you need to know and how you must spiritually prepare for the coming kingdom of God. And I want this truth to be put out there like a light to let it shine so that all might be able to see it. In other words, don't hide it under a bushel or put it under your bed. Let it shine. Just for a moment, why do you think Jesus chose to illustrate his point by using a bushel and a bed? Why these particular words as illustration of how people might hide or disclose the truth? Some New Testament scholars teach that this was because a bushel was a common form of measurement and currency used in trading at that time, almost like using an, an illustration of a modern currency exchange rate. So perhaps what is being suggested here is that some will sacrifice by the declaration of the full gospel and in that there will be a sort of loss of the potential for financial gain. In other words, that the sacrifice, as with all sacrifices, will have a cost, maybe even a financial cost, in that some people in receiving it will need to prioritise their lives. Now that's interesting to me in the light of what it seems to me some modern television evangelists preach. But I'll leave that you to decide, but I think it's interesting that the bushel is one of the examples he uses to illustrate this. The illustration of the bed is perhaps more straightforward, because what do you do in bed? Of course, that's right, you sleep. Perhaps the warning is if you spend too much time spiritually asleep, then you're going to miss hearing and understanding the message of the kingdom of God. Perhaps pointing out also that it's literally underneath you all the time. This message is to be heard, he's saying. Don't hide it and don't miss out. And don't miss out because you're too busy chasing financial rewards. This truth, it's there. It's right under your nose, so to speak. And don't sleep through it either. Then he continues by turning to his disciples and says this, verses 24 and 25. 
Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. So this is a fascinating concept. Remember, it's a spiritual concept, and he's underpinning it with the teaching that you should be careful what you listen to. And he's saying, because whatever you listen to, whatever you take on board, will by nature be multiplied in your heart. If it's good, you will receive a blessing from it, but if it's bad, you will reap the consequences of that which you are taking account of, that's what you are digesting, so to speak. Contained within this teaching is therefore the clear implication that if something is corrupt, it will bear bad fruit in your life. However, if it's good, then it will bring forth fruit, but in order for that to happen, you must use it or you will lose it. So not only is this message to be heard, but this message is to be lived out and applied. When using and thinking about the term use it or lose it, I think an illustration I can use is the modern day phenomenon of the internet domain name. Now that may seem strange to you, but a number of years ago at a church that I looked after for a while, there was an American guy who came over and worked in the area for about five years. And during his time in the northwest of England, he noticed that a company that he was very familiar with in the United States called Megabus did not exist in the UK. There were several regional bus companies doing longer journeys between cities. So he decided early in the 1990s as a way of speculation to purchase the rights to the domain name megabus.co.uk. And what of course happened for him was, as he speculated, Megabus became interested in buying up some of the smaller regional bus companies and launching in the UK. And at that time, and I'm going back to the 1990, he received £30,000, nearly $50,000 I think it was at that time, for that domain name, which was a considerable amount of money at that time. There was an era when people were buying up unused domain names. The famous one was when David Beckham, when he wanted to open a Facebook account and start his own website, found that someone else owned that name. But then there was a case, a master case, if you like, a test case in the USA called the Garden Master case, where it was taken to court where someone had bought and purchased a domain name purely for speculative purposes. Now, this is the late 1990s by now, and this loophole was closed by what is called the Garden Master case. The principle in law thereby after that became you had to use it for the purpose for which the domain was chosen or you were to lose it. You could no longer speculate in that way on domain names and the, the bang up and registering of celebrity domain names was killed off overnight. Use it or lose it became the principle. Now we too, I believe, are being warned here that what we receive, we must use or lose it. Now this is not talking in terms of our salvation, let me be clear about that, but in relation to knowing and seeing God's blessing in our lives and the lives of those around us. If this message goes out, it will grow and keep growing every day and night, but if ignored, it may carry on growing in the world, but it will die and wither in its effect in our lives.
he adds to this perspective by adding another parable into the mix. And he says this, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seeds on the ground night and day, and whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. So here we have another seed parable. And interestingly, he's making another point. He's adding another layer of depth to this message. He's saying that if the seed goes out there, it's in fact going to keep on growing, but just maybe not in the lives of the one who initially sowed it, if they're not engaged fully in it themselves. And that's why he said it's like a man scattering seed in the ground. Some of that seed will germinate and it will carry on growing, and it will carry on growing whether or not the original person is involved in tending to it. Yes, we've heard that already, but the new insight he adds here is saying, yes, the seed has got to be spread, but day or night, whether the one who scatters the seed is asleep or awake, that seed, which of course, remember, this is a metaphor for the message, it's going to carry on growing, and it's still going to produce a harvest and produce fruit in the future. As a matter of fact, verse 28 says that the seed can produce a crop by itself. He actually says, reading the text again, all by itself the soil produces corn, the first stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And as soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So this is really straightforward teaching here. Jesus is telling us not to worry about whether or not the seed will grow. Let God take care of it because he is the one who brings the growth and he is the one who will bring the harvest in. Don't worry about all the outworkings of it, he says, that is going to happen. Our purpose, our call, is merely to be those who scatter the seed. In other words, just put the message, just put the word, just put the word of God out there. Now, this also would tell me that sometimes, even when the one who is scattering the seed is not perfect, the word of God can still continue to grow and produce fruit. And what a relief that is, and we know the flaws in our own lives and in the lives of some others who proclaim the gospel also. Jesus then makes another point about this grow. Let's follow on with that. And in order to do that, he's going to use another seed parable, verses 30 to 32. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. In this parable, the point is very clear. It's taking the illustration using the mustard seed, which is known as the smallest of seeds. It almost appears like grains of sand in the hand. Yet he says that seed is still going to grow and produce a huge tree, so big that birds can come and nest in it. So he says, fear not. Things may start small, but that's not our concern. There's going to be growth, exceptional growth from the smallest beginnings, and it's not going to fail. The harvest will come. In spite of how it feels to us or otherwise, this is going to happen. There is a story of a German theologian named Hermann Hellicke. He was a man who, when Hitler came to power, started speaking out against the regime as a result of which he lost his high-profile job at the university in which he lectured. Instead, he ended up as a minister of a small village church out in the countryside somewhere. He decided at that point to start a Wednesday night prayer meeting 
and the first week just three people showed up, two old ladies from the village and himself. But they prayed, and he said that while they prayed, he could hear outside in the square the marching of the Hitler Youth as they did their Wednesday drill nights. Hundreds and hundreds of boys and girls between the age of 11 and 14, all of whom had sworn allegiance to the Fuhrer. Almost every young person from the village and all the surrounding area would gather outside the church every Wednesday night and they would march and drill and inside the church just three of them met and prayed. And he confessed he got somewhat discouraged. And I'm quoting from the English language translation of his autobiography. At that moment, I thought the Christian faith was dying in our country, dying as Hitler's war machine grew stronger and stronger. Was it really true that the kingdoms of the world would one day be replaced by the kingdoms of our Lord? Then I thought of the story of the mustard seed, the smallest of seeds, how it grows to the largest of plants, and it was, it was that which gave me the encouragement to carry on. Well, Henneke would indeed live to see that it was Hitler's kingdom that would fall and that the Lord's kingdom would continue to endure. So Jesus is saying the kingdom is going to grow. It may start small, but it is going to grow. And then Mark ends the passage we're looking at today by saying this. With these many parables, similar parables, Jesus spoke to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything plainly. Now Mark doesn't tell us what these extra parables were, not in his account anyway, but if you look at the same passage as recorded in Matthew, which we did a couple of seasons ago, we see Jesus goes on to teach five further parables at this point in the narrative. But the message of this parable is the main message in the fact that the message of the salvation of God in Christ is going to grow and it's going to grow with or without you and you should be part of it in fact you need to be part of it and if you're willing to be part of it then the Lord will give you insight and blessing in your life and in the lives of others around you but if you don't it warns you that you will spiritually wither and lose the blessings that God wants to give you well, we can see over this me over the years, this message does indeed grow from this point. You might say it's starting here with 12. We then discover soon that he will send out 70. And by the time we get to the point in Pentecost, we will see in one day that 3,000 people are converted. And by the time we get to the end of the whole book, the book of Revelations, it will tell us that people from every kindred, tongue and tribe on the earth will know him. So let's try and summarize this and draw some extra meaning out of it to finish. It seems to me that the whole point of these words of Jesus is the fact that he's trying to say to us, look, you need to listen. You need to make sure you hear this message of the kingdom of God. And when you hear it, you simply need to tell others also. But it also tells us that this message is going to grow. And if you become part of it, you will be see that and you will receive from God, blessings and insights in your life. But if you don't do that, then you will lose out what God wants to give you. And also you will lose out what he wants to reveal to you. So the principle is, hear it, then use it or lose it. To put it simply, he's saying, listen, 
But of course, adding the caveat to be careful what you listen to. And then he says to take heed that to take this message of the kingdom of God. Yes, you've got to listen to it, but then you've got to apply it. And in the overall context of the passage, I believe Jesus is saying the Lord wants us to do this ultimately because his desire is to see us bear fruit in our lives, his fruit in our lives. The whole point of the parable that we looked at at length yesterday, the parable of the sower, was that in the end, God wants us to be fruitful, to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Maybe 30-fold, maybe 60-fold, maybe even 100-fold. But there's also a warning now added today that some will hear this message and do nothing and will therefore produce nothing. But God's desire, God really wants us to be fruitful. So be careful what you listen to. Invest in his word. Listen to his word. Because he wants you to listen carefully so that you can take it into yourself, apply it, and offer it into the lives of others so that it can produce fruit there also. He wants you and I to listen carefully, and he particularly wants us to listen carefully in order that we understand it and understand the consequences of doing nothing with it. He wants you to hear it, and by hearing it he wants you to grow, and he wants you to grow to spiritual maturity, and spiritual maturity ultimately means fruit. It means blessings for you, and those around you that you love and care about. So if you hear it, then use it. Because if you don't use it, you're going to lose a great deal. Let him who have ears to hear, let them hear. Hear and listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying to the church. And if you do hear, and you do go, and you do do, God himself will be the one who brings the increase. I have a final illustration, and I believe it illustrates this principle quite well. Now, it's my first attempt to create and sort of write a fable, if you like. Now, I know it creates a rather unpleasant visual picture, and I nearly didn't include it today, but I trust you will forgive me because I think it illustrates the point rather well. It's a work in progress. I might find a way of adapting it. When you hear the punchline, you may be aware that I had a previous draft, which was perhaps even more unpleasant. But we'll go with the, we'll go with the, my second draft, and I trust we'll get there one day. Two flocks of sheep were arguing across the fence as to which flock had the best farmer, which looked after them and offered them the finest food and the best land for grazing. They both said they had the best farmer, so they argued and they began to think about how they might be able to prove which of them had the best land to graze on. And they both came up with a very different solution. One flock of sheep decided to go to the corner of the field nearest the farmer's house and every day to regurgitate the food they'd eaten into the corner of the field right beside the farmer's house to show the farmer what a great farmer he had and what superb grazing they had blessed him with. That would show him how well fed they were and what a wonderful lush field that he had given them to graze in. So every morning they went into the corner of the field and regurgitated their food each and every day and they put it in a pile and that pile grew and grew and grew. Now the other group of sheep, they had a different idea. They decided to digest the food and thereby use it to produce thick, healthy wool, beautiful wool that they offered as a gift to the farmer. 
That's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us not just to hear the word, but he wants us to digest the word and thereby produce something beautiful with it. And the sad truth is, if we don't live it out, if we don't digest it and do something with it, we're just regurgitating it and leaving it at the side of the field. And that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to take it, digest it, and go and do something beautiful for the Lord. Okay, people, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I do hope you find that helpful. Today's passage was from Mark chapter 4, and it's part of our journey together through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. What I estimate will be a 10-year journey, which you're free to complete at whatever pace suits you. Now, you can get this podcast from all the main platforms, and you can subscribe whatever your favorite platform is, but the place it's hosted is the Bible Project at Buzzsprite.com. There you'll find links to all the places that exist on this place called the internet, the social networks, but also places like Patreon, where I put bonus episodes, transcripts, episode note pages, that sort of thing, where people can subscribe to support and partner with this ministry, as well as places like LinkedIn and even the YouTube channel. So thank you for being here today. If you do feel you're benefiting from this, then please subscribe. Please maybe consider leaving a review so other people might see that and have confidence in listening to this podcast. And also consider sharing it on those places, those social media accounts that you might use. So with that all said, I'll say thanks again for joining me. It's a real blessing to me that, to know that thousands of people are listening to this podcast every day. That's reward enough. Thank you for that. And I'll see you back here tomorrow. Well, it'll be tomorrow for me. Whatever day works and is good for you is fine. So it's bye-bye now from the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye now.